0: Hello and welcome back to The Gallery Gap, a podcast that examines inequity and equity in museums, exhibitions, collections, and programming. I'm Melissa.
1: And I'm Claire. Thanks for joining us today as we honor the mothers in our lives by considering the perennial question of balance. And in this case, the balance between being both an artist and a mother. There are plenty of women and artists who either by choice or by forces out of their control that don't have children, but there are also women who by birth, fostering, adoption, marriage, or other arrangements become mothers, and some of those women also make the choice to be artists. How they make those choices and navigate those responsibilities are as varied as there are women in the world, but in this episode, we'll highlight a few, and then have a conversation with one mother and artist who was part of Augustana's recent exhibition, for Artists, for Visions.
0: I'm excited. It's going to yeah, be good. Yeah. Before we do that, though, let's get those naysayers out of the way.
1: Absolutely.
0: So the performance artist Marina Abramovic recently told the German newspaper Der Tagesspiegel, in my opinion having children is the reason why women aren't as successful as men in the art world there are plenty of talented women why do men take over the important positions it's simple love family children a woman doesn't want to sacrifice all of that so also in the, <laughs> great. yeah Thanks. Thanks. in the 2015 interview for red magazine the British artist Tracy Amon, said I don't think I'd be making work if I were a mother. I would have been either 100% mother or 100% artist. I'm not flaky, and I don't compromise. Having children and being a mother, it would be a compromise to be an artist at the same time. Amund concedes that there are artists who are mothers, but states about them, I know some women can, but that's not the kind of artist I aspire to be. There are good artists that have children. Of course there are. They are called men. It is hard for women. It's really difficult. They are emotionally torn. It's hard enough for me with my cat. Now, having a cat in my life, I do understand the difficulties of that particular type of So,
1: (laughs) however. It is so, I mean, (laughs) a big however. It's so disrespectful. And I love how artists such as Jeff Koons and Ai Weiwei and Chris O'Feely and other men can somehow hold this duality of being an artist as well as a partner and a parent. But somehow women are expected to make the choice between the two. This double standard is plainly bullshit. Oh, he went there. And a bullshit misogynistic double standard, to be more specific. And this is the same double standard that brings us the disparities in our weenie counts and the reasons that we have to do weenie counts in the first place. And the reason that men dominate the canon, and I could go on and on. It's just infuriating when I see women trumpeting these tired, sexist lines.
0: Completely agreed. 100%.
1: I mean, if you look at
0: other artists, like um, well, like Kara Walker, who's an artist whose work will feature in an upcoming episode, she's both a mother and an incredibly successful artist and a, you know, MacArthur genius. So yeah, yeah. No big deal. Her thoughts on this. So she says, having children isn't for everyone, but offering up old school sexism isn't useful to anyone. In a similar vein, the artist Diana Al-Hadid, who recently became a mother, rankled at the question about how motherhood had changed her work. Reflecting on that question in an interview, she said, No, my work hasn't changed. And you wouldn't ask a man that question. No one presumes it's going to change a man's work. Their work is their work, and their private life is their private life.
1: Exactly more bullshit. Uh-huh. Perhaps maybe I'm just trying to see how many times I could say bullshit <laughs> in this okay. episode. It's okay. No, I think <laughs> it's it's completely applicable and <laughs> appropriate. So, uh, so shifting away from this entrenched misogyny a bit There are some artists whose work directly pulls from their identities as mothers, and I'd like to touch on one of them briefly before we bring in this episode's guest into the conversation.
0: Yes. So let's talk about Lenka Clayton. She is an artist whose work is not in either of our collections, but whose work is fascinating. And while I'm more familiar with her artist residency in motherhood, which we'll get to in a minute, you've seen some of her work in person, Claire. So what are your thoughts?
1: So... I made the trek out to the exhibition, The State of the Art at Crystal Bridges, over New Year's between 2014 and 2015, because doesn't everybody take impromptu road trips around holidays? Maybe, <laughs> maybe that's me, Naturally. But, uh, <laughs> but that was a very encyclopedic exhibition, and uh, Clayton's works were two of the few that have really stuck with me um, since that time of seeing it. She works in a conceptual framework framing her practice in some of her work around motherhood. And from my perspective, some of the strongest conceptual works are those that force themselves to function within a limited system. And that's exactly what her works do. The one that I want to focus on right now is called Sixty Three Objects Taken from My Son's Mouth. I love this.
0: Like, <laughs> children
1: and things and putting them in their mouth. I yeah. don't I don't get it. I, I mean it was it was <laughs> like so so when you first see the work, there the These objects are laid out in a rectilinear grid pattern. Small objects, they include a bolt, chalk, a Christmas decoration, coins, a metro ticket, seeds, rocks, a specimen vial, a sponge animal. And I could just keep going because there's 63 (laughs) of them. But we'll not do that all. This is not a performance. Um, And at first, these seem to be just found objects. Okay, just why, why are these laid out in a grid pattern? Until one realizes the larger conceptual structure that they operate within. These were removed by Clayton from her son's mouth for safety's sake when he was between 8 and 15 months old. And when the viewer realizes this, the objects come alive as the relationship between mother and son comes to focus in these spaces between these sundry works. It highlights the heightened vigilance that comes with early parenthood, a time when seemingly innocuous objects have the t- potential to be tragic. It is really a fantastic, thoughtful, honest, and vulnerable work, and one that was created during Clayton's inaugural artist residency in Motherhood.
0: Yep. In considering the best way to describe this project, though, I feel like Clayton's manifesto for her residency is a very good starting point. So here it is. She says, I find now that many aspects of the professional art world are closed to artists with families. Most prestigious art residencies, for example, specifically exclude families from attending. Despite a legacy of public artists slash parents, it still seems to be a commonly held belief that being an engaged mother and a serious artist are mutually exclusive endeavors. I don't believe or want to perpetuate this. I like to imagine the two roles not as competing directions, but to view them, force them gently, if necessary, to inform one another. I will undergo this self-imposed artist residency in order to fully experience and explore the fragmented focus, nap length, studio time, limited movement and resources and general upheaval that parenthood brings and allow and allow it to shape the direction of my work rather than try to work despite it.
1: Right. So her project began as a conceptual framework for herself. The simple structure included her manifesto, business cards, a website to share her progress, mentors, access to her studio, materials, and child care three mornings a week for her son. Reflecting on that period, Clayton notes, quote, I worked every moment I could and posted the work I made to the website. Over the two-year course of the residency, I made 32 works, from a proposal to obstructively childproof an art museum to a video that attempted to measure the exact distance I could be from my son before I was compelled to run after him. She continues, quote, The most important thing for me was understanding that I was not making work about motherhood, but out of it. The residency was simply a framework around things that were happening anyways. Right. So what is even
0: better about this project is that it has morphed into something in which anyone can now participate. So Clayton has turned it into a self-directed, open-source residency designed to, quote, empower and inspire artists who are also mothers. You don't have to apply. It doesn't cost anything. It's fully customizable. And you can be in residence for as long as you choose. You don't even have to travel. The residency takes place entirely inside your own home and everyday life, end quote. I love how she has taken the framework and opened it up to other artist mothers. So artists can go to the website, download a residency kit that includes a letter of invitation, an amendable manifesto, and planning tools to help them structure their residency to meet their own needs. Currently, there are over 300 artists in residence in motherhood. We will post a link to the website so you can check it out yourself. It's pretty cool. Yeah,
1: Yeah. it's such a great, necessary, and important idea. And with that, I think we should turn to our guest this week, Claire Hedden. And we will do our best not to confuse listeners with our shared name. I like Claire's. Yes, it's, we're pretty cool people. But Claire was recently part of Augustana's exhibition "For Artists, For Visions." She's a practicing artist who lives in Normal, Illinois, and earned her MFA in Ceramics from Alfred University. And has been part of exhibitions across the United States and held multiple artist residencies at the Archie Bray Foundation. Towards the end of the exhibition at Augie, Claire came to the campus to do a workshop with Augustana students and talk about her work. One thing that struck me about her visit is how reflective she was on her dual roles as an artist and mother, and it was really what was the seed that inspired this whole episode, and I thought it would be insightful to have her on the show and reflect on her practice. Hello? Hi, Claire. It's Claire. Hi. (laughs) How are you? (laughs) And I'm going to introduce you through uh, the, uh, the the inter. Uh, where? What are we on the audio? <laughs> audio web.
0: Hi Claire, it's Melissa. Thank you so much for being on this show. Sure, it's happy. To, I'm
2: happy to meet you, Melissa.
1: Claire, welcome to the Gallery Gap, and thank you for so much for taking the time to chat about your work with Melissa and I. In preparing for this talk, you had mentioned a recent issue of the Studio Potter that focuses on women potters, and one of the articles, Balancing Act, reflects on this particular balance between making and motherhood, and I thought it would be helpful for us to frame our discussion around the topics reflected in that article.
0: The article's author, Marian Angelica, sets up the conversation with a short reflection on the concept of balance that might help inform our conversation. It says, quote, The word balance is both a verb and a noun, and it is an action rather than a state of being. To be, quote, in balance means to continually readjust. Balancing an artistic studio practice in ceramics with all of life's other demands and joys requires constant fine-tuning and sometimes larger modifications, end quote.
1: So why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about your work, and we'll post some images, listeners, on the the webpage too, but I want uh, to give you some space to talk about what you're doing these days.
2: Sure. Well, thank you so much for asking me for my input on this topic. Um, I I do I make sculpture, and um, my sculpture is often about balance or being out of balance, or things coming into a balance uh, conceptually. Um, the work is non-representational. It's mixed media, three-dimensional artwork. So um, basically, I. I create an abstract form from clay and then I use other materials like wood or fabric to create context, setting, or an extension of the form. Um, It's all slightly figurative, blobby, and furniture like and it results in sculpture that feels familiar but also very odd and um, uh, balance comes into it uh conceptually in that you know maybe something is um uh hanging off of an edge or maybe something is pulling away from something else or it just looks Uh, tenuous and precarious. And I've, I've been very conscientious of balance as an artist balance as a human um, throughout my whole life. And then the last uh, 10 years being a a parent um, balance in in that way as well. So one of the big quandaries of balance is assuring that one has
0: adequate time for studio work, which you kind of alluded to, uh, just now. So how do you solve that problem? And has it changed over time?
2: Yeah, um, studio time has really fluctuated for me over the last 10 years, uh, depending on um, where I lived, what I was doing um, in my other time, the ages of my children at those moments. So uh, I taught university classes for three years. Uh, I curated at an art center for six years, and I have two daughters. They're now age nine and five. My husband's also a ceramic artist, and he's an associate professor of ceramics at Illinois State University. So the balance has been constant for both of us as parents, I would say. Uh, It's not a unique situation. You know, everyone must balance their work with their family, with their individual needs. Um, I make time for studio work in the evenings after bedtime during nap time when the girls were very little um weekends and days off as well but that can take time away from family activities and just human needs like exercise house cleaning time with friends you know i think it gets tricky in that many artists they have a wage or a salary job like teaching or curating or gallery museum work, or even jobs that are unrelated to the arts in order to make a living, right? Very few artists uh, make an actual living from the sales and the profit of their, their artwork. Um, and how much time does that take up? You know, I know, um, or if you have to pay for childcare in order to work in the studio, you know where does that money come from? So I think artists and um, mother artists have had to be really creative. Um, when my first daughter was a toddler, another artist who was a mother, she and I, we traded childcare so that we could have at least one day a week of uninterrupted time. Um, when I was um, a younger artist in my mid twenties, I traded studio space with a mother artist. Um, so I babysat her daughter one day a week, and she gave me space in her studio to work anytime that I wanted to. Um, so I think as a woman I learned early on that um, you can make it happen. It does take um, some ingenuity, um, but it's but it's possible. And You know, it's definitely not your basic nine to five job that that our society is used to. It's uh, it's a balance of of different jobs and different tasks and roles in order to um, have all that you want in your life.
1: And sort of jumping off of that, um, we've we've talked about how to make time, but but I think that the spaces where you work are important too. Um, so for you, in terms of your own practice, is it important that your studio is on site or away from your home? Has that changed over time? You had mentioned some of your earlier studio spaces, and how does that how does that fold into your your life and balance in your life?
2: Yeah. So um, I've had studios, you know, away from home, in home, throughout throughout my life. Um, and right now, uh, our studio space is is at home. And my husband and I, we decided that having a studio at home would really be important to our practice and being is in a, in um, to be as involved as it as we could be. So, so having our studio here, we can easily pop in and out from our basement studio to do a quick task or to work for several hours. While the kids are playing or sleeping, um, I know other artists enjoy the feeling of of like I'm going to work when they arrive at their studio. If it's away from home, you know they can focus more. Maybe they can shake off the other responsibilities of life, and they can they can physically step into being an artist. But for us, you know, um, saving the additional cost of having a separate studio and being close to our kids really really mattered. Um, It also, it allows our children to experience us in another way. They respect our time and space as artists and they understand that this work is meaningful and it's important to us. So it's another facet for them to see um, that we're human, you know, that we have lives outside of our, you know, other jobs, outside of being a parent, that these are things that are important to us and and matter.
0: Well, thank you that... I, I couldn't agree with that more. I think that what we model for our children becomes part of their fiber. And, and then they continue to to perpetuate that. Um, one thing that I think many people struggle with, whether you're an artist, a mother, or none of the above, is self-motivation. I know this is certainly true for myself. Uh, how do you, Claire, how do you keep yourself focused on your practice? And I guess to follow up on that, has this changed since you shifted away from curatorial work to devoting yourself more intentionally to your own practice
2: yeah so self motivation um, you know I when I start acting like a jerk <laughs> I know I need more studio time right <laughs> yeah <laughs> It, it really, it fulfills me like no other thing or relationship in my life. And I have to keep myself in check about, am I honoring myself and my work by nurturing it, right? So making art is not strictly cathartic or fun or intuitive crea- intuitively creative, you know, although all those things are there. Um, but making art is mostly showing up. You know, it's doing the work. Um, a lot of it's unglamorous, um, but it's the drive for me to incrementally get closer to my intentions, my feelings, my message, and for others to experience and understand that in, in my work. My motivation is for me to be more clear and thoughtful um, as a human, and for those clear thoughts to be to be evident in the art. Um, that doesn't happen every day in the studio and it doesn't happen in everything that i make for sure <laughs> i may not feel it happening for months and i don't make i don't make good work or a step away from the work in order to to have a break and in those times i fill my life what's I fill my life with what else can feed me, what else fulfills me. So, being with my family, being outdoors, reading, um, and when I have a more rounded, fullness of life experience that brings me back to the studio to create work. Um, Yeah, I, I recently stepped away from being the curator at the McLean County Arts Center to step into making my artwork more as much as I possibly can. And my girls are in school most days and I'm at a point in my life when I feel like, you know, it's the right time for me to get more devoted. It's time um, to put as much effort and creativity and strategy into what I make and and why do I make it. Um, How can I make something work that fulfills what I need from the work and make it desirable to fulfill a need for someone else? So, you know, the self-motivation for me, it's, it's to make something that you know contributes to daily life but also, you know, our arc as a, as a human, right. Our role as humans on, on earth. Um, So, you know, showing up um, gets me, gets me in there, gets me um, working. And even if it's just showing up to sweep the floor um, I'm in that space I'm looking at what I have been touching, what touches me, and um, you know I leave space for other parts of my life to bring me into the studio.
1: And, and and sort of picking up from that, not only is there this, and and you've touched on this a little bit. Not only this the sense of motivation, but maintaining this and finding the energy or the headspace and the framework to keep to keep moving. And you. I I was wondering if you wanted to talk a little bit about that and if there's other strategies that you employ and how that comes into play in your work.
2: Sure. Yeah. Um, So I get myself into the studio by setting up, you know, little tasks for myself that maybe only take 30 minutes, but it's enough time to hook me in the studio and maybe I'll stay for hours and see where else it leads, you know. So that task might be like preparing clay um, in the evening for the next day, right, rolling out slabs of clay or reclaiming clay or something like that, um, unloading a kiln in the morning, right? So, okay, I'll say, get downstairs, go unload that kiln, and then that will leave me into the studio further. Um, you know, I create carrots for myself, too. Like, oh, well, next time you're in the studio, you can listen to that new album, you know, listen to that new music that you got or listen to that podcast that's been really, you know, been fun and exciting and entertaining. Or, you know, where you can have that afternoon coffee break, but take it downstairs into the studio and sit and sip your coffee and stare at things for a while because staring... Always leads to touching. It always leads to work, right? <laughs> and the the transition can be hard for me, um, uh, especially working in clay. You know, going from working wet in clay to glazing in clay, um, you have to kind of shift how you operate in your studio, your your mindset. Um, you know, but the shifts in, in working in clay, it keeps it fresh where it's like, okay, now I get to work in a whole new way with my art. Um, one's really tactile, one's really surface oriented, you know, and, um, and before I know it, I'm, I've been in there for hours and, you know, uh, it's, way too late at night or everyone's saying that they're hungry for dinner or you know I'm going oh my back is starting to hurt right <laughs> right
1: <laughs> so one thing that 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 struck me as we were as you were talking about your work while you were at Augustana is um, you were reflecting on one of your recent residencies at Archie Bray and we were talking about what led up to that was this this sense of balance that you and your husband take turns at at going to residencies, and I'm, I was just thinking about this larger question of balance between, especially when there's there's two when the two parents that are in the household are both artists, and how how and and parents at the same time, and so how does do you want to reflect a little bit on how that functions in your in your family and your practice. I don't know if Melissa wants to yeah. jump in.
0: You know, I just, I think it's interesting to, to think of, I mean, obviously we're celebrating mothers and, and women artists in this episode and, and examining some of that, but there are other parents involved with raising children who have jobs or who have passions. So um, if you don't mm-hmm. mind sharing a little bit about your thoughts or your reflections on your husband as an artist in this world,
2: Yeah, sure. Thank yeah. You. Um, so I would say that, um, you know, you, there are single mothers who who make this happen, who you know can be an artist, can be a mother, maybe have other jobs, um, but what they have is a network, right? So you have to have a supportive network, whether that's um, your neighbors. Your extended family, um, other parents who are artists, like how I touched upon, you know, swapping and trading childcare, supporting each other, um, with a spouse who is an artist, you know, a, a husband or another, you know, another partner, um, that that leads to an understanding of you know, empathy, like, I know what you're going through. I know you need to get into the studio. So let me support you. And I know you'll support me back. So that's something that my husband and I have really nurtured in our relationship. Uh, We knew each other, um, gosh, I think, uh, at least 10 years before we had our first child. Uh, so we knew each other as developing artists and we appreciated each other's work and the energy that goes goes into making that work. And we wanted to support each other. So, you know, we we do this dance of, um, you know, why don't you go in the studio today? I know you're really aching to, to get going on that next project or that next thing and, you know, I'll do bedtime and take or take the kids out for the afternoon or, you know, and we've really we've pushed each other. And, you know, we don't talk to each other a whole lot. I know some artists who are partners, they talk to each other about their artwork all the time. And we do somewhat. Um, but I feel like we know each other and each other's work so well that we just kind of touch base, like, quickly, like, so how's it going? That looks great. Good job. (laughs) You know, but we we, um, Yeah. There's, there's a dance that we do. Like you have an exhibition coming up, let me support you for the next month or two so that you feel like you've put your best effort into it. Um, and I don't know, I don't know a relationship, um, you know, with, with a non-artist actually, you know, a lot of my, um, boyfriends and whatever before my husband were, were artists as well. And, you know, so there's that, there's that understanding when you're when your loved one is an artist as well like there's a drive there that um, you know it's it's not a hobby right it's it's a way of life and we really we really support that in each other
1: that's excellent thank yeah, you, so you thank for you, sharing Claire. that uh, so is there anything else that you that we haven't touched on that you wanted to bring up before we we wrap up
2: um, so, <clears throat> you know, when, when you asked me to, to talk about being a mother and an artist, I know a lot of, uh, you know, women artists and, and this has been a, a really prevalent conversation, um, in the last 10 years, you know, I think it's been a conversation forever. Um, but you know, I've been paying attention to the conversation and more women are talking about it. And part of me is like, yes, this is an important conversation. And part of me is like, oh, come on. You know, everybody struggles. Everybody has, has um, you know, things that, you know, um, are challenges in their life for sure. Um, but, you know, I've, I've read and I've listened to different, different women talk about it. And um, this uh, writer, her name was Kim Brooks. I, I read an essay that she wrote called uh, A Portrait of the Artist as a Young Mother, is domestic life the enemy of creative work, which I thought was, you know, very provoking. <laughs> um, but this, this creative writer, she discusses the struggles of raising a family and, and being a writer. And the main point that comes up is that art making is about disruption, right? It's about questioning. It's about breaking into new territory, Um, you know, holding up a mirror to society and, and shock. Right. But being an artist, that's, that's being an artist, but being a parent is the opposite. Being a parent is about being comforting, having safety, belonging, you know Um, but they feed each other. Right. So too much of just one and, and the balance is off. Right. So, and I, and I definitely feel that personally, like, you know, too much of of the art making, and I'm seeking out my family, or too much of my family, <laughs> and I'm seeking out my art making. Um, so, you know, I I thought that was an interesting idea that that she brought up, and other artists that she interviewed, whether they were writers or photographers, that they brought up in the essay as well, is that, you know, there's there's a balance in in the content in the concept of being an artist, um, and, and being a, a parent, they can be at odds, but they can also be in, in harmony. I, I absolutely love that.
0: <laughs> I feel like uh, you just spoke into really my soul. It's really great Yeah. It's, it's a yeah. good one. <laughs> I'm so glad that you wanted to share that and everything else really. Yeah.
1: yeah. So yeah. thank you, Claire, for, uh, taking the time to chat with us today. Okay. Uh, all right. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye.
0: So as we wrap up, we want to be sure to wish all of the mothers out there a very happy Mother's Day. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Happy Mother's
1: Day, Mom. (laughs) Yeah. Happy Mother's
0: Day, Mom. Be sure to join us next week as we explore the importance of regional artists and have a look at the Illinois Women Artists Project. We also wanted to remind you, if you haven't done so already, that you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Google Play, or you can listen to the episodes on WVIK's website. There's an email on the website in case you'd like to contact us. Also, don't forget that we include additional information and materials on our Facebook page that relate to the episodes. So if you are interested in digging deeper, be sure to follow us
1: there. Yes, exactly. And as always, thank you to the Augustana Teaching Museum of Art the Figgy Art Museum, and WVIK for your continued support of this project. A special thanks to our production team, Lacey Scarmana and Alfredo Monteca. Thank you. Thank you. And this podcast would still be a mere idea if it wasn't for the generous sponsorship of Paterson pates Design. Thank you so much for making this program possible. And last, but certainly not least, thank you to all of our listeners. You're the best. We'll talk to you next week. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye. Bye.